This is a 20 by 70 podcast extra. If you're someone who, like us at the Committee of 70, expects more from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C., then subscribe to the 20 by 70 podcast on the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you go to binge great audio. Hello, I'm David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70, Philadelphia's long-standing advocate for better government. As part of that, we want to make sure that everybody knows that we've got a primary election coming up on May 21st, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure you're well prepared uh, for that event. Look, the way we look at it, uh, running for office is a job interview, and it's a great chance for candidates uh, to get up close and personal with voters who are essentially the hiring committee and should be able to uh, communicate their uh, their plans and their experience and their track record and give voters a chance to, to weigh in. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, we have a chance to uh, spend a few minutes with Isaiah Thomas, who's a Democratic candidate for uh, uh, city council at large. And uh, Isaiah is a, an educator, teacher. Uh, he has uh, 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 been associated with a number of educational organizations in, in Philadelphia. Uh, also worked for former city controller Alan Butkovitz and uh, is, uh, a, this is his third time running for council, right? Third yeah. time's the charm. Third time's the charm. That's what okay. we've been saying. <laughs> so. All right. Well, let's, let's start here. Um, you've heard this question before. It should be the first one out of the box. It's the most fundamental. Why are you running for city council? Sure. Um, so for me, unlike most of the other candidates that's running for city council at large, my journey started over 10 years ago. So when you talk about organizations like the Committee of 70 and the great work you do, you know, I have a, a, a unique level of appreciation because I've seen you doing the work for over a decade right now. So first and foremost, thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, but my journey, again, started over a decade ago. As I recognized, Philadelphia had a lot of problems. And I was on the sideline complaining about those problems, specifically problems that related to our children. I spent a lot of time working in education in traditional school settings, as well as uh, after school, some of these programs initiatives. I've also spent a lot of time in mentoring programs, and we witnessed the decisions that elected officials made. Cut funding and the number of programs and the resources that we were uh, able to offer uh, the demographic, the people who needed the most. And that is what inspired me to get off the sideline and get involved in this game called politics over 10 years ago. And um, I've been on the journey ever since. And I feel like since I decided to run for city council at large 10 years ago, recognizing um, issues related to our schools, issues related to our children and what they're doing after school, as well as what they're doing in the summertime, I feel like those conditions have gotten worse. I feel like our city um, is not doing the job that we need to do as it relates to servicing our children. So that is what inspired me to start this journey. Um, the first time I ran, I wasn't the best candidate. And when I ran in 2011, I knew I was going to lose leading up to election day, but I also knew I was going to run again. So I was able to put together a much more robust uh, campaign in 2015. I was uh, within a hair of running, mm -hmm. of winning, mm -hmm. I apologize. And after that race, you know, I wasn't quite sure what I would do. And so I spent some time working in the controller's office. I, develop relationships with other folks across the city and when an opportunity presented itself to run again as the rumblings were starting about people not necessarily looking to return um, I put some fillers out there and people responded in an even more positive way than what they did in 2015. So with the issues that we face as a city and with the support system being there that's why I decided to give it a go in 2019 and I'm optimistic about my chances of hopefully becoming a member of city council. All right I mean you mentioned education issues in schools sure. that's sort of a perennial what else are you hearing from voters that uh, sure. makes your ears perk up that make you think like, uh, you know, you might have what uh, they're looking for? So I, spend a try, I try to spend as much time as I can engaging not just super voters, people who we know are going to vote, but also trying to encourage and convince people to vote that's not your necessary voter. And I think their, 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 their narrative is important, right? That super voter, their, that super voter is concerned about um, some of the things that's going on with the cost of their home. They're concerned about streets and schools. But that person that's not necessarily voting who I might see at a bus station or who I might engage while walking down the street, that person is concerned with the fact that they don't think government is working for them in general. They don't think their vote matters. And they don't think that uh, no matter who is elected, no matter who runs uh, this city or this state or even this country, their lives won't change and their lives won't be different. And so for me, when I, when I listen to uh, anecdotes like that, not only does it worry me about the, the future of not just our municipality, but our country? 
it also is the inspiration that forces me to continue down this journey because I think about the fact that a lot of those people who feel that way, they look like me. They come from where I come from. They grew up in the neighborhoods I grew up in in Philadelphia. They went to the public schools that I essentially attended. And I recognize that there's a disconnect between what happens in their everyday life and this cloud that they call government. You know, we didn't have civics in government or political science growing up. So, you know, no one taught me, you know, the legislative branch of the state of Pennsylvania is the 52 states, uh, the 50 state senators and the 203 state reps. So, you know, these are tangible things that, you know, weren't exposed to us growing up in the city of Philadelphia. Um, our schools didn't put us in a position where we understand the political process. So a large percentage of my contemporaries, they aren't engaged, they aren't prepared to yeah. come out and vote. And so I want to fight that narrative. I want to be a tangible example of somebody that looks like them, that comes from where they come from that's not just engaged in the political process, that's teaching, that's inspiring, and that's creating different uh, systems, mm -hmm. really ecosystems, that puts them in a position where they're informed and they're likely to right. vote. <clears throat> so this being a job interview, let's talk sure. about the job of being Absolutely. a city council person. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a legislative job, there's 17 members, mm -hmm. you get elected uh, at large, uh, uh, you've got uh, seven at large members and 10 district members. Mm -hmm. Some folks say in, in Philadelphia, the district members are a lot more powerful than the at-large members. You can dispute that. Sure. But how would you intend to uh, be an effective council person, given what we know about the pushes and pulls of that, of that organization, of that body? Sure. And I think, you know, again, stepping into this and recognizing that you are a part of a legislative branch. You're not in the executive branch. You're not one person. You have to look to work with people to not just pass legislation, but also to allocate resources. I spent, uh, like you said, about two and a half years working in the city controller's office and during my time there, I had an opportunity to work with all the district council people across the city of Philadelphia. And you know, while it was dealing with issues uh, related to constituent services and a few special projects that I spearheaded my, during my time in the controller's office, you know, I, what I did learn was the importance of collaboration, communication, mm -hmm. transparency, and working together. And I think just having an understanding of how city government works puts me in a position where though I'm uniquely qualified because not only do I understand how city government works, I have a, a, a unique professional experience as well as personal experiences growing up in the city of Philadelphia, recognizing a lot of the ills that our young people face on a consistent basis. A great example is the mayor allocating a million dollars to PYN so that young people can have more summer jobs. In the Philadelphia Youth Network. Yeah, Philadelphia Youth Network, I apologize. Uh, Philadelphia Youth Network, which is the entity that hires high school students in the summertime, mm -hmm. right? So if you're on the ground and you're doing the work with the young people, yeah, we do need more dollars, right? But PYN had money left over last summer because a lot of our young people didn't have adults in place to be able to help walk them through the paperwork. So when you're thinking about, do we need the million dollars? Yeah, sure we do. But understanding if you're on the ground that the million dollars has to be spent on adults, mm -hmm. put them in a position to help the young people get the paperwork finished so that we can occupy their time in a positive way in the, in the summertime. Right. Sounds small, right? But these are the things that has to happen that we're going right. to impact things like gun violence, yeah. school quality, school education, things of that capacity. Yeah. So you, you started to talk about um, your own experience, qualifications. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm just curious what you would highlight as the short list of things, two or three things mm -hmm. that you've accomplished in your, you're a pretty young guy, but, mm -hmm. but that you've accomplished in your career so far that, that voters should know about that might give you, might give them confidence in your candidacy. So during my time in the controller's office, I think one of the, one of my biggest accomplishments outside, um, well, two of them I think were really significant was the financial literacy, a pilot program that I started where we made sure that we work with private sector experts in public schools across the city of Philadelphia to see if not only if young people would need the content that we were offering as far as financial literacy, but to see if they would want it as an actual class. And we set up that pilot program during my time in the controller's office. We also created smart cards, which was wallet size plastic cards that every senior in high school got that gave them free resources that helps them with mm -hmm. financial initiatives, whether it was them going into higher academia or going into the work atmosphere or looking to try to get a loan. Those resources were there for them. And so I, that was something that I was extremely proud of because while it was a small pilot program that was only in existence as far as the workshops for about 15 schools, we were able to deliver smart cards to every high school student that senior year. And I think it's an initiative that if magnified can put us in a position where we're offering um, more 
um, quality uh, classroom experiences as well okay. as resources for young people. I also will highlight um, the cash mm -hmm. bail initiative that I started in the controller's office. Um, we work with the public defender's office that actually um, I spearheaded the, the project that was done that uh, put us in a position where we were able to put a dollar amount on if we were able to eliminate cash bail in the city of Philadelphia and uh, what that would look like. Outside of that, I think that my experience teaching everything from- well, I was, was going to ask you that. What, I actually started out my career as a teacher. Sure. Um, so I'm curious what, what you learned as a teacher, sure. uh, particularly after you taught a few years that would serve you well as a city council. Person. Yeah, I mean, and I was, I was, what I was saying was, I was I've taught everything from undergrad at Lincoln University over at 30th and Market down to kindergarten. And I think um, my- Which is easier. Uh, well, for me, for me, the harder one is actually kindergarten. Mm -hmm. um, I think that when you talk about that age group, just the level of patience is, um, you know, something that is, you got to be special to have mm -hmm. that level of patience, where the undergrad is great dialogue, you know, yeah. similar to what we're having right now. Right. And so um, for me, um, when I think about my experience and what I've learned in education is it's honestly the resources that our children aren't getting at home. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they start their academic experiences on so many different levels that it puts us as educators in a position where we have to supplement for a lot of the things that they're not getting. Sometimes those are physical needs like food, like clothing, things of that capacity. Other times it's social emotional needs because of the trauma they experience. Other times it's infrastructure needs because they're homeless. And so um, my experience as a teacher taught me that our young people come to our schools with a plethora of different problems. We don't know what they went through that night, but as educators and hopefully as public service in the um, in the government sector, we have to be prepared to fight for those young people on a consistent basis every day. My last accomplishment, which I would think is um, probably one of my biggest, is starting my own nonprofit organization, Thomas and Woods Foundation. And we've been in existence for over five years now, but this is a brainchild that came to my mind a long time ago. Um, most of the young people who attend free public schools also go to free summer programs. Most free summer programs end before school starts. So there's this gap at the end of the summer where young people essentially have idle time, which it can, again, these are some of the ills that we have. So um, we started um, Thomas and Woods Foundation nearly five years ago, and we provide free summer programming for young people the week before school starts. Uh, we've been serving over 125 children every summer. Uh, we give them a book bag with school supplies so they can go back to school as prepared as we can help mm -hmm. them be for the next week. And we also offer them grooming products and mentoring and support systems that they need. Once you've been in our program and you become a senior in high school, we hired them that senior year so they could have a small little stipend to have in their dollars, but also so they could have that opportunity to be a mentor and give back to other people, uh, other young people. Good. So our nonprofit organization does more than that. We get scholarship money during uh, Martin Luther King Day for our oratorical contest. We also feed families in need during Thanksgiving and the Christmas holiday. But it's something that I'm extremely proud of because it speaks to us uh, supplementing as far as resources that children aren't getting either in school and as well as at home that we're now able to come in and say, you know, let's provide that safety plan. Right, right. Terrific. Um, last area I want to talk about is uh, uh, your take on the state of politics, uh, the way government works, people's attitudes toward that. What are you hearing out there? Sure. Is City Hall broken? Sure. Uh, you know, we've advanced some ideas about uh, the way we could make City Hall work better and the political process work better. Um, but, you know, you've been a candidate, this will be the third time as a candidate, so I'm sure you have a few observations <laughs> about the whole thing's work. Sure. So what's, what, what, um, what's your answer to that, you know, broken, how do we fix it, and what kind of ideas do you have? So I think it, I think it would be, um, I think even folks who work in City Hall would say City Hall is broken right now, but it's not broken beyond repair, and I think that's the key. And so for me, um, first and foremost, of course, of course, we appreciate Committee of 70. Or, uh, constantly be um, constantly challenging us to think about you know how can we do better as government how can we do better with elections and so for me um, I do think that there are a number of things that are suggested that's been put out there that I would like to see um, so for first and foremost I am a fan of term limits for council people mm -hmm. I don't think that a, a council person should be able to stay there for for life and that's what we're seeing often in the city of Philadelphia um, outside of that, I do think it's important that we teach civics and governments and political science to senior year in high school with the option to get registered to vote. I think if we want to change the way people view government and elections, we have to teach them. We have to make it a part of their culture. Election Day should be a holiday in the city of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. You know, we take off school for some of the frivolous, most frivolous reasons. I have to say sometimes. the best idea I heard in that was let's swap out what used to be Columbus Day for Election Day. I mean, we just, you know, <laughs> if, if the wind blows too hard, sometimes we close schools these days. Yeah, and so, you know, yeah. for me, I think, um, and, you know, let's just be honest with you, a lot of our children are already off on Election right. Day because their school is using right. as a portal place. So if we were to make it official holiday, change the culture 
around election day. So it's something that people will feel a little more civically engaged about, something that they will feel mm-hmm. like they're obligated to do. I think that would change how we view yep. elections. So I think there are ways that we can essentially improve transparency and uh, improve how we operate as, as, a, as, a, mm-hmm. as this entity they call government. Um, but I do think that in organizations like Committee, Committee of 70 and candidates like myself and some of the other great candidates out there that are running for city council right now, I think it's important that we continue to change the narrative and try to change the narrative and kind of uh, resist against what we're being handed right yeah. now. One of the issues that and probably has arisen, uh, even though not everybody quite understands what it is, is councilman prerogative. Sure. Um, so I'm curious how you feel about that. It's yeah. not as direct an issue for council at large candidates. Sure. I'm curious what you hear from voters and yeah. If this is a problem, what you think we ought to do to fix it? So I do think that we should modify councilmatic prerogative. I think the way it is right now, um, as for voters are telling us it doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. And if you are going to go into the world of being a public servant, even if you think something is a good idea, you have to look at when constituents tell you they're not happy with it because we represent the constituents who are supposed to work their, right? their perspectives. <laughs> it, it, and, and, it's, and, and it doesn't work like that all the time. But again, we have an opportunity to, to elect people mm-hmm. who believe in that form of government. And so um, I, I am, uh, I have a lot of support from a lot of the different unions across the city of Philadelphia. And if you talk to uh, unions like Unite Here, right, they'll talk about how, or SEIU, they'll talk about how council, uh, uh, council, uh, council prerogative has been in favor of their ability to fight for wages for workers. So in the sense of when we look at what it means to fight for wages for workers, yes, we do need some level of councilmatic prerogative so we can make sure that we're holding big businesses accountable and putting people in a position where they can bargain and earn a quality wage for themselves and their family. But at the same time, we know that there's a certain level of problem as far as transparency mm-hmm. and what's going on with how land is being given to certain people. And we've seen some problems around that. And so while there is some issues with councilmatic prerogative deep down inside, and I'm pretty sure you know this better than I do, the real issue is elections cost too much money. Mm-hmm. And because elections cost so much money and because the average voter is so uninformed, we are now looking at all these different ways of people um, as far as how they're getting money for their campaigns mm-hmm. and how land and transactions are taking place and folks are connecting dots. And, you know, sometimes there's some substance to those stories and maybe other times there's not. But the, the core problem <clears throat> is that we have an electorate that's uninformed that doesn't want to participate in the political process, which in turn makes money mean way too much to yeah. elections than what they yeah. should be. So I don't want to change councilmatic prerogative in a way that it becomes damaging to the long-term viability of the city, but we do need to modify it because we see what we have right now just doesn't work. You give me a good lead into our close here. Yeah, now, first sure. of all, thank you for, for being here. And thank you for having best me. Best of luck to you. I know it's a lot of work. Yeah, thank you for having me. Third uh, time's a charm, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, so, as I said at the outset, uh, May 21st is primary election day. Um, I hope this has been useful to you. We're going to do a whole day's worth and post them on Facebook and uh, your fo- your favorite uh, social media feed. A um, couple other things that you can do if you want to get further involved and, and engaged. Go to our website, 70.org, and look for our voter guide. Uh, also, you can download uh, our WeVote app on your phone. So that'll put everything in the palm of your hands that you need to be informed and engaged in a, in a super voter. Uh, last of all, in addition to thanking uh, Isaiah, I want to thank the Thomas Kelton Harrison Foundation for helping to support these efforts. Uh, this should be a vigorous campaign, uh, mm-hmm. and we look forward to seeing you at the polls. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Isaiah Thomas, button number 71. Thank you. Hello there, David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70 Philadelphia's longstanding civic leadership organization that advocates for better government and more informed and engaged voters. We have a primary election coming up on May 21st, if you haven't noticed. Uh, and uh, the way we look at the process of running for election, uh, it's, it's kind of like a job interview. Uh, So in that spirit, we've been running a series of interviews with council at large candidates today. This is number 15. Uh, And uh, we've had a great series of conversations to try to understand where various candidates are coming from, their backgrounds, their experience, their their vision, their plan, uh, and ultimately uh, what they would hope to accomplish in city council. So um, I'm pleased to uh, welcome Fernando Trevino. 
Thank you for having me. Uh, to, Hi, guys. Uh, to join us. Uh, he's a Democratic uh, Council at Large candidate, uh, lives in Bella Vista. He is a political consultant. Maybe we'll learn a little bit more about that. A native of Mexico uh, who went to law school there, and uh, he's been in Philly for about 20 years. He's been very involved uh, as an advocate uh, for uh, immigrant affairs here in Philadelphia and uh, was very involved in launching the city's Office of uh, Immigrant Affairs. So. I hope I did justice to your background. You did, thank you. Okay, good. One correction, I live in Passing Square. You know, we are very territorial oh, yeah. on that. <laughs> Actually, my daughter used to live on Passionic Avenue, just a block from Passion Square. Okay, so. perfect. I'm on 13 and Dickinson, so right. you know, we're kind of territorial down Okay, there. no, I quite understand. It's not only a city of neighborhoods, it's a city of micro-neighborhoods. Yes, sir. But, okay. So uh, here's the job interview. First question that you ask of a potential candidate is, why do you want this job? Why are you running? Look, the basics is that um, during, during, during my whole career, I have seen the human cost of health policies. Um, in Mexico, I saw uh, the human cost of really bad economic policies that push immigrants to come to this country. At the border, I saw firsthand the human cost of failed immigration policies. My first job in the consulate of Mexico in Eagle Pass was actually go to the river and to the desert to recognize the bodies of immigrants who actually died trying to come to this country. Oh. I will be on call every time that the border patrol will find the body of an immigrant, they will call me. I will go down there, take pictures, help identify the body, and then help the family in Mexico recover that, that body. So the ultimate human price that immigrants paid I was right there, and this is almost 20 years ago. And in Philadelphia, uh, I had the opportunity to lead the criminal division of the Mexican consulate in Philadelphia, and my job was to make sure that immigrants, that the rights of immigrants, the constitutional rights of immigrants, would be respected when they were facing the criminal system, the, the criminal justice system. I don't have to tell you how crazy our criminal justice system is. Now imagine being a minority. Now imagine being undocumented and don't and imagine if you don't speak the language. Mm -hmm. So for seven years, that was my job. And for seven years, I saw that human cost. And to be honest, I do believe that it is time to bring the city back to basics. Um, like you were mentioning, I was born and raised in Mexico. I came to the US almost 20 years ago, 18 years in Philly, and Philly became home in a heartbeat. I met my wife here, my kids were born here, and I became a US citizen working for President Obama's campaign here in Philadelphia. So when you had thousands of people leaving Philadelphia 15, 18 years ago, my wife and I decided to stay to invest in this city and to make mm -hmm. Philadelphia home. And for me, the city is moving in the right direction, but we're forgetting about the basic stuff. We're forgetting mm -hmm. about governing. And I have never been a candidate in my life, always working behind the scenes. Uh, but you know, it was time to step up. It was time to, to remind Philadelphia that we need to go back to basics, that, yeah. that we need to make sure that we're you know, fixing our streets, cleaning our neighborhoods, and making sure that we're providing you know, jobs and opportunity for, for people living in poverty. Right. So you've given us a pretty good uh, picture of uh, some of your background. I, I think it, your, your passions and your interests and your commitment comes through. Um, let's fast forward and a number of things break your way. You're a member of city council. You know, city council deals in legislation. Yes. Uh, there's 17 people. You need nine votes or 12 votes mm -hmm. if you want to uh, make it veto proof. So, you know, the job in council is to translate uh, ideas and vision and uh, and, and commitment and interest in the legislation. So thinking along those lines, what, what kinds of more tangible, concrete proposals have you thought about? Would you support? Would you never support? Well, there are a couple of ideas. Uh, first, it doesn't matter what kind of issue we're talking about. For me, it's about making sure that we are having tangible results, short-term mm -hmm. solutions to those problems. It is very important to, to think about the comprehensive solutions, about the long-term engagement. But again, we are forgetting about governing in a daily basis. So on education, for example, I'm all about keep pushing Harvestwood to have a fair funding formula. Mm -hmm. I'm all about keep pushing city council and the mayor to make sure that we have more funding for our schools. But at the same time, right now, we have teachers that don't have access to parking lots. Teachers have to leave the classroom every two hours to move their cars or get a parking ticket. And we're not taking care of that, right? We have students leaving our public schools because they don't have a safe environment to go into school. My daughter was bullied for four months last year. 
four mm. months in a public school mm. and it took me a lot of a lot of steps in order to get that problem done so while we're talking about long-term issues we have never we could not we could we we shouldn't forget about the short-term solution. So that would be my, my approach. Yeah. Specifically about, about the issues, um, as I was mentioning to you before we went on we went live, I do believe that we need urgent reform in good government. I do believe that we need to have uh, term limits. I do believe that we need to find a way uh, to have public finance campaigns in order to have an even field. And to be honest, and I know that this is a little bit more, you know, uh, a long term, but we need to find a way to end councilmatic prerogative. Mm -hmm. Those last two, um, I mean, we did talk before we went live, and mm -hmm. I think we have a lot of uh, similar thinking yeah. around some of those issues. Uh, Councilmanic prerogative in particular, a lot of folks, A, have learned, uh, have become familiar with the term, uh, learned how to pronounce it and spell it, which yeah. is kind of a, a miracle. Uh, but the hardest part is, well, what do we do about it? Mm -hmm. And, and it's the balance between what's a legitimate role of a council person representing people in a district and, 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 and what's, what's an excessive role that leads to corruption and, and uh, unfair uh, treatment of particular interests. So do you have any particular thoughts on what we do um, about council management? Yeah, look, the, the issue is that uh, as a concept, I think that it's a good idea, right? We need to make sure that uh, council uh, members representing each district have a saying on how the public property should be you know, uh, deal with who would be able to develop that. But let's be honest, that system has been abused. When you have three, when more than 80% of public property is controlled by three council members, mm -hmm. it is a problem. When you have clear uh, evidence where, you know, that kind of right or that kind of um, uh, influence has been abused, we do have a problem. So we need to, we need to find a way that if we want to keep councilmatic prerogative, that we actually go back to the ideal, to the idea, uh, uh, to the concept of the idea and make sure that that's been respected. However, it hasn't. Mm -hmm. So I rather uh, end councilmatic prerogative, make sure that all of the public property is transferred to the land bank and give much more power and influence and a, a bigger budget to the land bank and make sure that they are disposing of those public properties with the feedback uh, from, from community leaders and those communities. Yeah. That was supposed to be the role of, of council members by district and unfortunately it's not happening. Yeah. So. Uh, I know when we looked into this and you may have come to the same conclusion, uh, you know, we did create this land bank a few years ago with a lot of hard work. Yeah. But what seems to be true about this land bank is there are not many uh, deposits and therefore not many withdrawals. It's optional. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm it's, sorry. it's kind of like, you know, having an actual bank that has no money in it. Yes. <laughs> because you are asking, you know, people to, hey, it's up to you if you want to use it or not. That's and, right. and that's not supposed that's to be right. the case. Or you can <laughs> keep it stuffed in your mattress, exactly. I guess. Um, let me just ask a different kind of a question, which is, you know, once you get elected to council, there's no particular job description that says, here's how, here's the type of council person you could be, or here's how you could spend your time. Some people are more interested in kind of policy things. There's constituent services. Some, some folks spend more time sort of working the politics of the body. Just based on your career to date, can you forecast a particular style or a particular approach or a particular piece of the job description that you, be, you would be effective in? As to a, be as honest, it's going to be a mix of all of the above. Um, mm -hmm. I have the experience to the politics. I have the experience in constituency services. I have the experience in, on legislation. So I do believe that my role in city, in city council is going to have one main priority, and this is to improve the quality of life of Philadelphians. Mm -hmm. We need to fix our streets. We need to clean our neighborhoods. With that as a first priority, I do believe that I have the experience, you know, developing the partnerships in city councils that we need to develop in order to get stuff done, mm -hmm. developing the partnerships outside of city council with community groups and advocates to get the stuff, to get done the stuff that we need to get done. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, to advocate in Harrisburg and across the state to make sure that we're changing perception of Philadelphia and we are, you know, uh, stressing the, the need that Philadelphia has. Um, 
I was the director of constituency outreach for President Obama's campaign in 2012. Mm -hmm. And then I had the same role for Jay Shapiro's campaign in the primary and a very similar role for a group called For Our Future also in 2016. So I do have experience working with elected officials around, around Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. My professional and personal network goes beyond Philadelphia. And I do believe that that's important role that we can use the bully pulpit of city council to advocate for issues that we cannot resolve with legislation, but at the same time, sit down and have, you know, the openness of negotiate with every sector in city council to get, you know, mm -hmm. uh, stuff done because at the end we are there to serve the people of Philadelphia, not to advance our careers. Yeah. We spend a fair amount of time in, in, uh, Phil, in uh, Harrisburg mm -hmm. uh, talking to folks from both parties. I think it's probably fair to say, and this has been true for a long time, that a lot of folks, uh, in Harrisburg who are not from Philadelphia, look at Philadelphia sometimes I think as Sodom and Gomorrah by the Delaware. Yeah. They look at the political culture, the way the money flows, maybe the egregious uh, uh, you know, overreach of examples of councilman prerogative, mm -hmm. there's sort of a sense of. Now, we remind people that as compared to Harrisburg, that Philadelphia has actually pretty uh, uh, tough ethics laws and mm -hmm. a strong board of ethics. Uh, we instituted campaign finance limits, which have eluded the state of Pennsylvania so far, uh, that by and large, from the administration side in, uh, at, uh, in uh, the last two administrations, I think both of them have uh, evidenced a commitment to integrity. Having said that, there's, there's lots of room to improve. To improve yeah. um, so we look at things like, um, the endorsement process here in Philadelphia, which seems to be pretty closed and pretty insular, uh, seems to repel more than the tracks. Uh, we look at uh, the way council, you know, if you were elected, one of the jobs of council would be to approve council district maps mm -hmm. in 2021, which for, we've been doing a lot of work on gerrymandering and redistricting, it's a huge, huge issue. We look at transparency in the body of city council, and there's a lot of stuff that happens there in the cover of darkness. So I uh, apologize for all that no, wind no, up, but, uh, but uh, what do you, what, what's the first couple of moves if, if, you were, uh, if you were elected, if you think we ought to make to try to change that perception and that reality? Uh, I think that it's all about transparency, uh, both in city council and in the mayor's office and in the administration. When you have, uh, you know, uh, a process to assess, uh, you know, value to, to properties in order to determine the, 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 the tax rates that nobody knows how it works, that is a problem. When you have a process in city council where you can just stop legislation without hearings, without giving the public the opportunity to, to provide feedback sometimes, I think that it's, that's a problem. So we need to start fixing our home before going out there and advocate for, for Philly across the state. But I do believe that everything comes, comes to transparency. We need mm -hmm. to improve transparency in the decision process in the mayor's office. We need to improve transparency on how uh, our tax system works. And, and again, we need to improve transparency on sometimes how city council works internally. Uh, and I do believe that that's, that's a key for, for Philly to move forward. Yeah. Well, and picking up on the Harrisburg connection, we have noted that there would be some irony and some advantage if, if Philadelphia could sort of lead the way on some of mm -hmm. these things and basically turn the tables on folks in Harrisburg who from, you know, benefit from the narrative yeah. that says, you know, you, I, I'm, you, all about leading, I'm all about <laughs> leading by example. Again, yeah. the, only, the, the, the reason that I'm running is because uh, I was looking forward to recruit, you know, a candidate that would argue what would I'm sorry, uh, talk about the issues that I care, uh -huh. that will have the same approach that I want to bring to city council. And after seeing the field, and we have great people running, don't take me wrong, but I, that's, you know, I, I you know, thought that the leading by example was the right thing to do. And I have never run for office in my life. Right. So this is the first time. And I just got tired of waiting for other people to do what yeah. I believe the city should do. So, yeah. We just have another minute. So mm -hmm. quick question for you. Uh, is there a measure, uh, a policy proposal that you would never support no matter what if it came through the council process? Uh, it's, it's personal, but I would never support going back to the times where the city would cooperate 100% with immigration. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud about the fact that I led, uh, internally with the city, I led the process to turn Philadelphia into a sanctuary city. Uh, if any candidate of any other person tells you that only one person had, had uh, can take credit for that, that's, that's a lie. It was an amazing 
coalition inside and outside of government. Uh, and I'm very proud that I helped the mayor's office to lead that process and that. So I would never go back to, uh, to cooperate with immigration the way that we used to do years ago. Uh, well, remind me of that line that success has a million parents and failure is an orphan. Of course. <laughs> so uh, thanks so much for being uh, with us, Fernando. Thank you for your uh, time. Best of luck to you. We've given everybody the best of luck. This is Thank a you. tough business and I uh, hope you find it. Win, lose, or draw a valuable one. But It is. Thank you. Um, we do have an election coming up, primary election May 21st. I hope this has been helpful for you to get to know uh, this candidate for uh, council at large. Um, if you want to dig in further on candidates, not just council, but other candidates here in Philadelphia, or if you're in the suburbs, also in the suburbs, go to our world-class voter guide at 70.org on the web. And if you want to make it even more accessible, download our WeVote app to your phone where you can have in the palm of your hand pretty much everything you need uh, to, uh, to be an informed and engaged uh, super voter on election day. Make a plan to vote, <laughs> check it twice, remind your friends, your colleagues, your neighbors, uh, your family, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll see you at the polls. Thank you. We have a primary election coming up May 21st. Uh, in our view, <laughs> running for office is a job interview. Uh, the candidates uh, have a chance to share their ideas and plans and accomplishments with voters who are essentially the hiring committee. Uh, and at the, at the end of that uh, comes election day where you get to make your picks. So in that spirit, we are carrying out a series of uh, interviews with city council candidates, which is a challenge because all told there's about 50 of them. Um, but we offered uh, as many as we could accommodate the chance to join us for 15 minute interviews to do, uh, uh, again, sort of model a job interview. So uh, I am now with uh, Matt Wolf, who's running for city council at large as a Republican. Matt and I have known uh, uh, each other a few years. He's a, uh, a longstanding uh, uh, civic leader uh, and award leader, actually, in West Philadelphia. He's an attorney. Has also uh, worked in the Attorney General's office in Pennsylvania uh, and ran for council in 2015. So this is not your first rodeo, Correct. as they say. Um, so, uh, as I said, we're going to talk with Matt for about 15 minutes. And let me just start out with the most basic, the most fundamental question that uh, that candidates get, get, get asked. Why are you running? Well, I'm at a point in my career where I think I can devote some time to giving back. I view this as public service. Um, uh, you know, I'm looking at Philadelphia, a city I love, uh, a city I'd like to see do better. Um, the, and, and, you know, Philadelphia's best days are ahead of it. Uh, we, you know, we have um, a lot of new people moving into the city. A lot of our economic indicators are pointing up. Uh, in fact, the Center City District just released its uh, annual uh, State of Center City uh, report. I haven't read it, but from reading the headlines, I have read prior reports. I, I know what's in it, and it says, it says just that. Philadelphia is on the move. Philadelphia is growing economically. But it is still, when compared to what Paul Levy likes to refer to as our peer cities, lagging behind. Um, and, uh, you know, you scratch your head and wonder why. Uh, same way, you know, Philadelphia is many times described as uh, the poorest big city in America, and by many measures, it is. And you have to question, why is that? Uh, we have some of the finest universities and uh, hospitals in the world here in Philadelphia. We have a public transportation infrastructure you can never afford to replicate today. Um, we're midway between New York and, and Washington with Amtrak to Whiskus there, with freight train service coming in, with a port, with an, uh, a serious international airport. We're midway between the Jersey Shore and the, and the Poconos, for God's sake. Uh, the only reason that we are the poorest big city in America is because of decades of bad decisions made at City Hall. Uh, we have an irrational tax structure. Uh, the, uh, you know, we tax jobs and businesses. And when you tax things, you get less of them. Uh, we have uh, you know, higher tax rates that are necessary. Uh, we, we have onerous business regulations. Um, uh, you know, and then we scratch our head and say, gee, where did all the jobs go? Well, you know, they went to across City Line Avenue. Uh, I had my formal announcement 
which is just a chance to get some media attention. Uh, but I had it on Haverford Avenue in West Philadelphia in front of the ShopRite that's now out of business, posing under a, a huge sign that says store closing March 19th. It's now closed uh, due to the Philadelphia beverage tax. Uh, but you know that is just kind of emblematic of the sort of things that city council does. It targets a specific business, uh, you know, forces you know we, we lost jobs there. Uh, there's you know, uh, you know Acme has talked about how much they've lost because of the soda tax. The soda tax is just a component. Uh, you know, drive uh, down Baltimore Pike, and one of the first businesses you see has a big sign out that talks about its low cigarette prices because we have a cigarette uh, tax. Same thing in Melbourne uh, has a dying commercial strip on Market Street, but there are three tobacco stores that didn't exist prior to our uh, uh, soda tax. I'm sorry, the cigarette tax. We have a liquor by the drink tax. We um, you know, have a 2% sales tax on top of uh, uh, the regular sales tax. And you know that means when I, I, I have not purchased a soda other than to drink immediately since the soda tax went in. And you know, we drink, you know, have a lot of soda, do a lot of things. We, like many other people, go out of the city to get our uh, our soda, and while we're there, we save the two percent uh, sales tax too, and do a lot of more of our shopping there. Uh, you know, recently, city council passed a, a law uh, saying uh, an ordinance saying that uh, retailers cannot uh, have to take cash. And then they went to the poor people and they said, "Look what we did for you. You won't be discriminated against anymore." They didn't do anything for them. Uh, what they did was tell Amazon, when Amazon came in and said, look, we have a business plan. It entails, you know, we're gonna be cashless. Uh, we're not changing our business plan because some municipality decides to do something stupid. Philadelphia's city council did something stupid. Amazon's not coming to Philadelphia now, taking their hundred jobs with them. And they did absolutely nothing for people because uh, if there's a market for businesses that take cash, uh, you and I might open up a store across the street from Amazon with a big sign out front. Uh, you know, we take cash, much like the big sign on Baltimore Pike that yeah. says lowest cigarette prices. Uh, even if it's a good idea, uh, you know, city council should not be passing ordinances that make it tougher to do business in Philadelphia. If you want to change something, go to Harrisburg, go to Washington, and make the change there. Yeah. Uh, let, let me just uh, interject. Uh, this is, uh, I'm sure you can see this coming. This is a question reserved for Republican candidates, and I'm not going to talk about the president. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the reality is there are now three seats on city council of 17 held by Republicans. Could be, there have to be two, uh, could be three. Or there don't have to be two. Uh, well, those are minority fact, seats. Yeah, that's true. And I, and let's put it, you know, I am co very cognizant of that uh, right. and intend to fight to preserve okay. those seats for Republicans. Yep. Uh, absolutely. They have to be uh, of a minority party, yes. not necessarily Republicans. Let's present, point is, let's, the likelihood let's, is let's they fast will be forward Republican. and assume Matt Wolf gets elected. How do you, with a, a set of ideas that will acknowledge a sort of counter to the prevailing winds in Philadelphia right now, how do you build support on council to, uh, to move a bill that the that the mayor's going to sign that reverses some of the things that you that you well the about. the unfortunate truth of the matter is uh, you know city council has a lot of unanimous uh, votes uh, I'm not going to be one of them but you know part of legislation is compromise and uh, you know is it likely that I'm going to vote for tax increases no am I going to take a no tax pledge like a lot of politicians particularly Republican politicians have no I mean if I was presented with a uh, proposal to say, well, if you vote for this tax bill that's gonna increase taxes $10 million, but if to get your vote, we're willing to cut $100 million in spending that, you know, that I don't think are necessary, would I take that deal? Maybe. You know, uh, you know I look, I, I have a conversation with Alan Dom every once in a while, and I was talking to him about a bill in council, uh, and uh, it had passed committee, and, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about it and he said, yeah, I, I tried to, to change it. And I said, yeah, I read your change. I didn't like that either. And he said, you know, I didn't like it either, but, um, but I was trying to, trying to make a bad bill less bad. Well, you know, I get that. Uh, and, you know, would I vote for a bill that I think is bad if I could get an amendment to make it less bad? If, if that's what they needed to get my vote? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of a two-part question. There's a little backward looking. In your lifetime, I know you've been active in Republican politics. Who's been the most effective Republican member of city council in your lifetime? Segue into this question about you and your experience. 
what would you like folks to know about what you have done in your career in Philadelphia that's made a positive difference to uh, the people or a community of Philadelphia? Well, uh, that answer is kind of simple. I think it was Thatcher Longstreth. Uh, Thatcher Longstreth was, was liked by everybody uh, and, uh, and understood the process and, and got some things done. Uh, guy I, I, I you know, liked a lot and uh, had a lot of respect for. Plus he had great socks. Um, Yes, in fact, I went out and bought a pair of Argyle socks for his memorial service, and a bow, I learned how to tie a bow tie for his memorial service. Um, great socks and a great tie. Okay, to the question about Matt Wolf, but well, what would you like uh, folks to know about the impact that you've made so far? Well, um, I've, I think I've made a positive impact in government. Uh, as you noted, I was a uh, deputy attorney general uh, under Leroy Zimmerman. Uh, when uh, Tom Ridge was governor, I ran the legal department for the Department of Labor and Industry. Uh, you know, we really made some serious changes uh, uh, in the Ridge administration. I was, I was certainly part of that. And, and everything that Tom Ridge was trying to do was bring jobs to Pennsylvania. And the Department of Labor and Industry was a key focus of his attentions. Um, Ron Castillo appointed me a special assistant district attorney. Uh, that was to close nuisance bars in my neighborhood. Uh, and we closed a few of them. Uh, and, and these were some nasty places. In fact, uh, after we closed one of them, I got a rock thrown through my bedroom window uh, within a couple of days. And when we closed uh, the Purple, uh, that was the Times Cafe, and when we closed the Purple Fox, somebody smashed the window in my law office, which was on Baltimore Avenue. Um, uh, the, uh, but that was an outgrowth of my, uh, my overall community work. Uh, you know, I, I served on the board of the Spruce Hill Community Association for you know, long time. I, I was their vice president for a, a few years. Uh, you know, I've been on the board of the Friends of Clark Park. Uh, I was uh, on the board and later legal counsel to the uh, West Philadelphia Chamber of Commerce. Uh, there aren't too many uh, community organizations in University City, West Philadelphia that I haven't uh, had some involvement with. But what I, I frankly like to say is, um, you know, if there's something that qualifies me uh, to serve on city council is that for most of my career, I've been an attorney in private practice who has to turn a profit. Uh, you know, too many of our elected officials, not all of them, but too many of them have never had a job in the private sector in their lives. And it shows by the way they vote. Uh, you know, Mayor Kenny is criticizing Jeff Brown, uh, telling him if he can't make money, uh, you, know, you know, without selling soda, he doesn't know how to run a, a grocery store. Really? You know, Mayor Kenny is now a, a business management uh, consultant. Um, uh, and to the best of my knowledge, Kenny is, you know, I remember him working in a variety of government related jobs. A lot of our people come up through the nonprofit. There's nothing wrong with that, but, but you need some people uh, who, who understand how business operates. All right, let me segue to the sort of the last uh, bucket of uh, questions and thoughts. And that's around, I guess you could call it political reform. Uh, there's a seems to be a, a lot of frustration out there that City Hall doesn't work very well. City Hall's broken, uh, which uh, I interpret as not just what goes on in that building, but it's the process by which people uh, are, uh, you know, enter into that building. Um, so the, here we talk, these are a very Committee of 70 uh, kinds of uh, things around. And, and just a little aside, Yep. I worked for the Committee of 70 <laughs> for a summer. I was probably the only ward leader ever on their payroll. Okay. But, but the uh, <laughs> summer between my first and second year of law school, uh, I, I was a Republican committeeman, and they hired me right. uh, as a, you know, for a summer position where I did research into various things. And uh, were kind of unnerved, though, when I was appointed ward leader prior to taking the job. They, they, yeah, they, they thought it was an advantage to have a committeeman because I might know some things other ward people leaders wouldn't. But ward stuff. leaders, yeah, they, they weren't <laughs> as high on that. But All right, we'll, we'll let that sit. But, yeah. uh, you know, we put out something just a couple of days ago. We're calling Philadelphia Resolution 1 that, that calls for more transparency in council, curbing councilmanic prerogative, uh, opening up elections in various ways. I'm just, uh, where do you... Where, where are you on that uh, bucket of issues? Uh, well, what other ideas do you think we, we need to bring to the table? Uh, well, the, the issue that sprung out for me on that is council prerogative. Uh, you know, it is a huge issue here in Philadelphia. But, I, you know, I don't make it one of the points that I really drive when I'm on the stump. Because I, I sit in rooms with people and I talk about council prerogative and, and I have people who are very 
intelligent people who say, and what exactly is that? Um, you know, you can personalize it. You can talk about the two lots uh, in Grays Ferry that were sold by the city at clearly way below market value prices uh, that Kenyatta Johnson is now, according to news reports, under federal investigation for. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's acknowledge it's it's hard to say and it's hard to spell, and not everybody understands what it is, but it's out there. So I guess my question is, what do you what do you think we ought to do about it? End it. Uh, and yeah. How do you do that? Well, uh, you know, it is not in any council member's job description in the city charter to have any involvement in that. Uh, you know, th for the city to tell people, and they've actually told people this. Uh, well, you know, you need to get clearance from your district councilman before we can sell you that. That, in my mind, seems to be a clear violation of civil rights. That, because all that council prerogative is on something like this is a city councilman getting political chits to raise money and to get political support when they run for re-election. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with the legislative process. And um, uh, for this, you know, and uh, Ori Feibush brought the suit against Kenyatta Johnson and won, uh, which was a, a, a sliver of that. But the bottom line is, you know, if the city of if the city of Philadelphia tells somebody they have to get clearance from their district council member for that, even though they don't, it's not embedded in law. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, all they're doing is using the government, the power of the government, to help a politician get reelected. That's all it is, yeah. uh, and uh, and it should be the subject to civil suits every time it happens. Uh, you know, the city owns what eighty five hundred vacant properties. How many should they own? How many do you think they should own? <laughs> as close to zero as possible? Yeah, anything that they're not going to actually use in like a yeah. two or three year yeah. plan, yeah. they should just be sold. Yeah. Uh, and a, a few years ago, the Inquirer wrote a fluff piece. Uh, it was uh, talking about how the city had an auction of properties in Councilman Squillow's district. And they talked about how it made like a million dollars more, I'm not sure on the numbers, than they expected. They thought that this was great, and they thanked Councilman Squilla for allowing them to do this. And Squilla was bragging that he had hand-selected the properties, but was taking some of them off even the day before, so that because constituents had come and said, well, I want to buy the property, but I don't have the money right now. And I read that, and I thought, how many ways is this wrong? Yeah. Uh, and, I, and the Inquirer, to their credit, uh, published an, an op-ed that I wrote, uh, you know, questioning this whole process. I mean, you know, Squillisha had no involvement in selecting properties. Right. Uh, Squillisha had no involvement in allowing the city to sell properties. Uh, and uh, you know, most egregious of all, he is having properties removed so the city doesn't get the money that it desperately needs so that he gets a favor from a, uh, a constituent. I have a feeling you clearly know a lot uh, on this <laughs> issue and bring a lot of passion to it, but we gotta wrap this up for the time being. Can I, can so. I talk about one other thing? Uh, <laughs> No, because you had talked about other things to reform government. Sure, it's not if you can do plan. it crisply and quickly. Yeah, I can. Yeah. One of the things that I believe strongly is that uh, the party committeemen, the Republican and Democratic committee people mm -hmm. in the city, should be the ones who uh, elect the citywide leadership and make endorsements, mm -hmm. not the ward leaders. That is but done. I think in almost, as you pointed out before we talked, is the way this happens in many other counties. Almost every most county. Almost every other county in Pennsylvania. Yes. And I feel strongly that that's the direction that we should go. I think that would go a long way to incentivizing yeah. people to want to serve in those positions. Well, I think we're with you on that. Uh, and uh, then put it in your. Uh, when you well, said that that was a work in progress. It's alluded to. Okay. It's you know unfortunately it's one of those things that's a little technical for most people who are not buried in in the ward system already. And I'm buried in the so, ward system. All right, uh, Matt. Thanks for being with us. Happy to be here. Uh, and. Uh, uh, this this wraps up our uh, our segment with Matt Wolf. Uh, thanks to him for being here. Thanks to the Thomas Skelton Harrison Foundation for enabling this conversation. If you want to dive into council races even more, uh, you can go to our website 70.org, the word s-e-v-e-n-t-y.org, uh, to look at our voter guide, or you can download our WeVote app, which puts in the palm of your hand pretty much everything you know need to know to be a super voter on May 21st. And I close with that primary election, May 21st. Make a plan. Encourage your friends, neighbors, and others to make a plan, and we'll see you at the polls. Thanks for listening to this podcast extra. And as we say in each and every episode of the 20 by 70 podcast, expect more Philadelphia.